Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Fellas, Chris, Sam, and Mason here, welcoming you to Man Challenge, whether via Vimeo or podcast. We are excited to dive again into God's Word and the book of 1 Peter alongside you, and pray, praying that you will... Um, Spend good time in discussion breaking this word down alongside the men at your man challenge group. Uh, in our third week of the series, week one, we looked at a, a big portion of the, the first chapter where we learned about who Christians are. We learned about the imperishable inheritance that we have, the living hope that, that we have. If we're believers in Christ's gospel, that he died for us, uh, atoning for our sins, and he was raised from the grave, raising us to new life with him. Um, that we've got some benefits to that. And then last week, week two, we had a good, uh, the second half of chapter one and a, a big portion of chapter two talking about um, being who we are. Mm. Today, we're gonna look at some real life, practical ways to live out our Christian faith. Uh, we're gonna hit some hot button issues. Mm. Very um, hot. Yeah. In humility, because none of us would claim uh, to know everything. Uh, or to be right, what we're looking to here is to humbly submit to the God of the universe who is right and does know everything. Mm, mm. So, um, submit, good word. We need it for today. We're going to hit some specific examples, but first I'm actually going to take us a little bit out of order here. So today we're studying chapter two, verse 13 through chapter three, verse seven, but I'm going to start right in the middle. If you would join me in chapter two, verse 21, because this is going to be the overarching theme of, of this entire passage. We're going to look to Christ here uh, in a way that's going to help us practically live the way he's called us to. Here's what it says, verses 21 through 25. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Mm. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls." So, so remember, Peter is writing here to a group of people who are exiles and foreigners, but they're also people who are suffering. He, he talks about suffering throughout this entire letter, and he's got them in mind as he, as he writes these words to them, kind of sandwiched in between some practical ways to pursue suffering. And what you and I might not see right off the bat is Peter is weaving in here uh, a passage from Isaiah. Chapters 52 and 53, he's quoting different parts of that um, to those who he's writing to as they consider their own suffering. Mm. Sam, why, why does Peter quote Isaiah 52 and 53? I think he's just commending Jesus' example as 
the ultimate suffering servant, mm. uh, and he's setting that as the bar. Mm. Like that, that is the bar for us. If you are a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. then his example, we are to pick up our cross and follow him. Uh, the same path, the suffering servant. Uh, and so he says to back up one verse, uh, if you do good and suffer for it and you endure, it's a gracious thing in the sight of God for to this you have been called. So that's where Jesus went. That's what he endured. Why would we expect anything less than the same? Yeah. Um, and also in enduring that suffering, he was sinless. I'm certainly not that. But if he, he still wasn't, he still didn't sin. He didn't cop out. He didn't have to suffer but he still took that path for our redemption, then how much more am I to follow suit as well yeah. as being a follower of Christ? Yeah. yeah. So, so Peter looks to a couple chapters in Isaiah, mm. and you said the word suffering servant. As mm. Christians, we kind of perceive this text as the suffering servant. Sure. But what happens in that passage? How is that applied to Jesus? Give you some hard work to do. It's a good question. Uh, the, the simplest version I would say is uh, how many hundred years is that? 600 years, 400 years. It's a lot of Hundreds, years. Yeah. Way before Jesus is crucified, uh, well before crucifixion is invented by the Romans, mm-hmm. uh, which is debatable too. Uh, there is this imagery that Isaiah pens and writes, this prophet in the Old Testament, that just lines up so perfectly with what Jesus endures on our behalf. And that he suffers affliction, uh, he takes our iniquities. And he bears the weight of that sin and shame on the cross. And because of that sacrifice, we are healed. Mm. If the wages of sin is death, and that's what's owed to me is the wrath, I have been resurrected by the sacrifice and the, 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 the gift of Christ on the cross. And so he uses that imagery spiritually saying, by his wounds, we are healed. Yeah. yeah. And so Peter takes this Old Testament text predicting someone who would redeem us Mm. and says that that was Jesus and gives us you can see there in verse 21 an example so that we might follow in his steps in our own suffering we are to look to Jesus who submitted himself who suffered who served Philippians 2 uh, 5 through 8 says uh, Paul's writing to the the church in Philippi he says have this mind among yourselves he's just told them to pursue humility says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Paul's saying, Peter's saying, in our suffering, we look to the suffering servant who didn't just become man, which was humbling. He created us. He stepped into our likeness in the incarnation. And then he suffered at our hands. He let us kill him to the point of death, even death on a cross and receiving the wrath of God. Jesus, the King, suffered, submitted, served. And so as we look at practical examples today as Christians about how we are to interact in relationships institutionally and personally, this is our our first Uh, line of sight. This is where we fix our gaze. We talked about that last week. We look to Christ, who's not only our redeemer, but also our example. Um, This is our cornerstone. Our cornerstone. All of our outworkings of this truth are rooted in this truth. A few weeks ago, Berkey made a comment about, you want to talk about my money, don't talk about my money. (laughs) Like there's certain topics that when it gets brought up, especially in a church, 
man, it becomes debatable mm. real quick. But it's not like that with Peter. It's very, it's very foundational. It is about Jesus. Mm. Yeah. He is the example. It doesn't matter the application. It doesn't matter the setting, the situation. He is always our model and our example. He is our Lord. We talked about that too. We want a savior. We don't always want a Lord. Mm -hmm. It has to start with this. This truth and this reality is what everything we're going to talk about and everything he talks about flows out of. That is the foundation. We have to keep that in mind as we go through each of these situations. And so, uh, Berkosaurus, there's a line in here. It says that while Jesus was suffering, he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So in his humility... He does that. Can you explain that a little bit? Unpack that some? <clears throat> Not really. <laughs> um, That's a great answer. Um, I, you know, I, I just say this. You know, Peter's specifically talking about obviously Jesus, but he's really referencing the cross, right? And just how Jesus endured that mm-hmm. without fighting back the way he could have, right? Yeah. Uh, could have called the angels at, at his command, right? Could have, I, I, I think about uh, him telling Peter, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and putting the, the guard's ear back on. Yeah. I think about when the, when the soldiers spit in his face. Mm. Like, I don't know why when I read the crucifixion story, you know, you think about just how awful the flogging had to be. For some reason, when they spit in his face, like, I get mad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the humiliation I don't, of almost, inhumane. Yeah. It, it really brings an emotional response yeah. out of me to do that to our, our Lord, you know. Um, and as I, as I read through this and, and you think about, you know, uh, Jesus' ability to suffer for us and to um, not, not fight back and, and trust the one who judges justly. Yeah. <clears throat> think about in Romans, excuse me, 12, 17 through 21, Paul writes, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, which is a quote from from Deuteronomy. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. <clears throat> what a call. Yeah. What, what a call that is so contrary to number one, unfortunately, what we see by our leadership right now. And number two, uh, just my own sinful nature. Yeah. I want to, you do something bad to me, I want to do something bad to you. Yeah. But like the calling of, of scripture and the calling of Jesus is so above that. But I will turn a question to you. We also have a justice system in our country. Uh-huh. And when we see what's going on in Minnesota and the awful way a man was killed by the police. Mm-hmm. How do we rest in that? How do, how do we rest in trusting the one who will judge? I mean, we still have a justice system, right? Mm-hmm. That's called to honor the laws of our country. Yeah. So what are you telling me, Mason? How am I supposed to rest in that? Uh, I don't know that we should rest in that. Uh, we are to rest in he who ju- judges justly. Is that, is that what you're asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, the result of, uh, there's a God who knows all things and he judges justly. 
So at the end of all time, we, we can um, want to take justice into our own hands by vengeance and revenge, mm-hmm. which is what Peter says Jesus did not do. Remember, Peter gets the sword out, says, you think I need you to defend mm-hmm. me and my honor? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. And so what he does is he submits himself and there's this, this root of redemption being brought through humanity. So there's this future hope of justice being brought fully when, when Christ returns, right? We talked about that last mm-hmm. week, this living hope. So we pursue justice now, utilizing the justice system. We don't just resign ourselves to not caring about difficult things. Proverbs says we're, we're to pursue justice for those who cannot speak for themselves. Yeah. But in that same token, when we're not able to get the end that we yearn for, we trust the God who judges justly, mm-hmm. knowing that for eternity, he, you quoted Deuteronomy, he's gonna be the one who brings vengeance. Mm-hmm. And he knows what's wrathful and, and useful to bring wrath upon and what isn't better than we could ever understand. So there's this already not yet mindset. <clears throat> right now, I'm to pursue justice for others. I'm to yearn that the, the oppressed, the marginalized, the broken are cared for open-handedly knowing that I'm not the God of the universe who can bring true justice. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was not ready for that hard let question. Me, let me add to that. But that we, we just got to address it because yeah. it's easy to go, oh, you know, just leave it to God. But like, no, 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 there, there needs to be justice here and now for things in yeah. our society clearly. <clears throat> However it's a broken system. We can't fully, and it's not necessarily always up to us. Mm-hmm. Right? And we want to pursue justice. But we also don't even have um, the capacity to weigh the life of a man. Mm-hmm. We don't even know how much was lost as much as we grieve and yeah. lament. We can't even fathom mm-hmm. what was truly lost, but the Lord who knows all is, is bringing us to pursue justice alongside him, but also will fully realize that justice in eternity. Let me just add the worst <clears throat> crime that was ever conducted was the murdering of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like he's the only dude who was blameless and sinless and had no fault and he was murdered. And dude's in the garden hours beforehand sweating it out saying, God, if there's another way, mm-hmm. like sweating blood, God, if there's another way, mm-hmm. this doesn't feel good. I wish there was another way. Let's not do this. But he faithfully, submissively, lovingly follows and trusts in a just God mm-hmm. who would ultimately carry out an exact perfect, mm-hmm. perfect justice it wasn't in that moment. It didn't feel good. And he went to the cross to bear our mm-hmm. sin and shame. Uh, and that's the example given to us. Mm-hmm. So he, he wasn't joyfully resting in that, but he was still trusting God actively through it. And he suffered in order to pursue justice. He, he, and right. so that's the, that's the example we look towards as we start in, in chapter 2, verse 13. <laughs> that's a really good question, and we're going to hit some of it here. Last week you put yourself on the spot, so this week I figured put I'd me. put you on the that's spot. Good. <laughs> Verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors. Wait, so now we're going back. Yeah. So we just, we just gave you the why you should do the this, why. and now we we're telling you what to do. Servant. Okay, here we go. That is exactly right. Yeah. Mm. Be subject to the, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether the emperor or to governors, as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Sam? Mm. Start us off. What's this telling us? Why does it matter? Yeah, so uh, Peter has a worldview in which God is supremely sovereign and authoritative over everything. Mm -hmm. Every human institution, over the rising and setting of the sun, over everything. And so if there is a governmental authority above you, they are not above or outside of the ultimate authority of God. Uh, And so through that lens, 
you should humbly submit to whatever governing authority is above you for the Lord's sake, for the glory of his name. This again makes the image of Christ known in our community when we do that too. And I guess also, should we talk probably about just like culturally at this time, probably, this is probably during Nero's reign. So the emperor at this time, there's great persecution. There's stories of him beheading Christians using their heads as torches out in his garden, out in his flower garden. Like that's the brutality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the persecution that he's writing to these exiles mm-hmm. saying. That's the context. You, that's right. the context. You should submit to the governing authorities above you. Didn't Jesus, didn't he go before Pilate? Did he try to find a loophole and get mm-hmm. out of it? No. He, he submitted to the mm-hmm. will of God ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's saying, for the Lord's sake, we should do that too. And I, w- I would say, I would, just as a member of this church, I, I'm proud of our church. Mm-hmm. They, they submitted for the Lord's sake. Like the, we, we have quit gathering in person. We've not closed. Look right? how we're nice. sitting six feet That's apart. Right. For yeah. the Lord's sake, for the good of others, for the glory of God, yeah. not out of fear of man, for the Lord's sake. And I've just been really proud of our church, the way the, the incredible leadership of our church. I'm not surprised, but yeah. just biblical truth practically played out in, in current circumstances. Yeah. And to, to kind of further to piggyback a little bit on what you're saying there, mm. verse 15 says, for this is the will of God, mm. that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. I love when you see will of God lines in scripture. First Thessalonians 5, what's the will of God? Mm. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. What's the will of God? Do good. To who? Everybody. I mean, it's just, it's cut and dry. Mm. Like we are called to, in our submission, and we live in a, a political system that has a binary structure. We've got two teams and uh, both are yearning for you to join the team, be a Republican, be a Democrat through and through. And we've got a, a national leader who's a Republican and a state leader who's a Democrat. And what's God saying? Join the right team. Nope. He's saying do good. Mm. We've, got, we've got responsibility in our submission to do good. But verse 16 says... Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as living servants for God. And so I, I think this verse is, is really key. Uh, we are not enslaved to the governments that we subject ourselves to. We are free in Christ, but we don't, we don't use that liberty as uh, opportunity to sin. This is really clear here. We use it to live as servants of God. And so we practically pay taxes, abide by the speed limit, mm-hmm. participate in civic duties. And if you ever didn't think the word of God was relevant, right? Just, just, just read this first Peter passage in the times we're currently living in. Yeah, and, and the, our submission and subjection to those structures is not with the chief end of self-protection. I think that's what's so difficult about mm-hmm. our political structure is mm-hmm. we're, we're looking out for number one. And what Peter's saying here. Mm is we're to subject ourselves as servants of God. So I abide by the speed limit, yes, because that needs to protect me, but also because I want to protect those on the road with me. Mm-hmm. I pay taxes. Do you really abide by the speed limit? I don't abide oh, by the speed okay. limit. I just make, not let's just be a hypocrite. Sure. I mean, this yeah, is and this ultimately challenge. glorifies God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's I, I the point. And I don't, it's not about me. Yeah, I don't resign from civic duty. I'm a citizen can, of here, but I'm I, a foreigner. Can I just full it. disclosure in that? I used to have in my, one of my previous car in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I used to have that first Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in my dashboard. 
because I could be such a lawless driver. <laughs> like, I was in all your ways. Like, okay. I appreciate that confession. <laughs> well, you talked about speed limit. Yeah. It just got me on that. But we, we subject ourselves to institutions not enslaved to them. Mm. There are... There are mm. Daniel is commanded by mm. the government yeah. to do things that are against God's mm-hmm. will. And he says, no, no, I'm not enslaved to you. But I, we do subject ourselves to what is not against the will of God. You see mm. that all throughout, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we wouldn't know their names if they didn't break the law. That's right. But we, we look at the entire context of scripture and we subject ourselves as servants to the glory of God for the sake of others. Then he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, which sounds like a dope Roman yeah, imperial. It does. I mean, it's bizarre. How do we do those things practically? Actually, will you read your translation? Yeah. It might be different. Um, no, that's it. Yeah, show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. So wise men. Break on three. How do we yeah. do? Yeah, <laughs> Team yeah. on three. Um, go ahead, Sam. Notice he says fear God. He doesn't say fear man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So we're not to submit out of like being fearful of what would fall or come our way. Rather, we're to, we talked about this last week, having a reverent fear, uh, a holy respect towards God. Uh, but then the word he uses is honor the emperor. So I, I think just a real, real easy application of this is, when was the last time you, you prayed for the governor of our state? When was the last time you prayed for the president of our country? Hmm. I'm not asking you if you agree with anything they say or do. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, like, are we showing honor to them? Are we praying for them? Are we being ambassadors for Christ? Yeah, that's all. I'm just going to leave it at that. Now you're in my business, Sam. Now you're you're in my business. Now I just think, to me, the only chance I have to execute any of that is number three, fear God. Mm. Yeah. Like, if if you're asking me to show proper respect to everyone, and, and, you know, we talked about this some last week. Love the brotherhood of believers. I, gotta, I have to have a healthy fear of God. Because hmm. like, I'm completely incapable of doing that to the fullness anyway. But I certainly have, I, I don't even know where to start without the, the proper perspective of who God is and what he's called me to and what he's done for me through, through the cross. Um, last week you, you mentioned you and Sean Arvin. Mm-hmm. And you said... I, if we are a family of believers, if you and him are brothers in mm-hmm, Christ, mm-hmm. you should look like a family. Mm-hmm. You may not agree on every, everything, yeah. but as a testimony of what we believe to the unbelieving world around us, we in the body of Christ should look like a family. Mm. I think that's why he's saying love the brotherhood. Yeah. Honor everyone, but there should be love within the church. Yeah. And I think our ability to execute this is, you know, those outside the brotherhood of believers, you know, some will and some won't, but, but those that actually have open eyes to see our ability to execute this well will be as good of example as we possibly can to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is, is pretty much anything that we do, mm-hmm. specifically in these times. I mean, yeah. these times are kind of, mm-hmm. you really have a chance to, to practically execute some of these callings. Yeah. So we need, we need to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Verse 18 says, servants, your translation might say slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now I want to be quick here 
to contextualize for us uh, because this is a text that honestly is what slave owners manipulated and utilized to keep oppressing African Americans for hundreds of years in the United States. Uh, so a few things we need to know here is the context of slavery that Peter is writing to, he's writing to servants, is not the slavery that you and I most likely envision as 21st century Americans. We think of the heinous and horrific several hundred year African slave trade. Uh, these people that Peter's writing to are oppressed, but it's, it's a different type of oppression. You could, as a slave at this point in time, you, were, um, you could earn your freedom. You could be freed, you could, manumission was a possibility. I could, I could work my way into freedom. Uh, now they, again, they were oppressed, but it's just a different context. And oftentimes the same race. Oh yeah, this is, there's nothing to do with mm -hmm. racial distinction yeah. here. Typically, um, it, it might be like exiles, foreigners coming yeah. in uh, who are, hey, we look the same, we, we talk the same, uh, but you're not from here. Yeah. And but you again, need, just you need work. providing the context to mm -hmm. get our vision more clearly on what, who Peter is talking to as opposed to, like and you said, And for some people in that American time, it history. was desirable. Like you, if you had nothing and you're extremely impoverished, if you could go become a bondservant to a master, who could provide housing and protection and food for you, and you worked for him on his ranch or wherever, uh, it was a desirable trade for some people. There was even roles in the, in the Roman Senate for uh, slaves or servants where they could hold governmental duties. And don't hear three white people saying slavery's okay. Mm. That's not the reality no. here. Just context of who Peter's talking This to. is a different type of slavery, distinct from the racial slavery that we've experienced in the United States. 20% of the population at this time were servants. And what we can see right from the start is that Peter is giving them a worth that the rest of society didn't. When, when ancient writers, Seneca, uh, Aristotle, when they wrote about slaves, they did not write to them, they wrote about them. Mm -hmm. Peter's addressing them. Yeah. Mm. He's elevating them even through addressing them. He's saying, I know where you are, mm -hmm. your, your servants. And what he says is, uh, do good. He doesn't say, in your freedom in Christ, rise up and revolt. He says what Jesus said to him, put your sword away. Do good. It's, it's buried right there in, in verse 20. We see do good again. Be respectable and honorable to those you're interacting with. Mm -hmm. And if you're treated unjustly, verse 21 guess who else was? Mm. Christ, the suffering servant. We look to him again, not passively allowing injustice, but looking to uh, the king of the universe who can suffer alongside us, who can teach us how to suffer, can teach us how to serve. Does that, does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. I think that if this is something you want to spend more time diving into, like this is a big discussion point, yeah. spend some time in the book of Philemon. Yep. That's extremely helpful and about this exact same situation too. Yeah. yeah. Um, or Philemon. Or Philemon. Okay. Onesimus. <laughs> I would love to hear you guys say Bible names all day long. Uh, but so this is written to first century slaves, Sam. Yeah. How can we apply this to our context today? Sure. Uh, for me, the closest thing I have in my life to this situation that I am being called to submit is in my workplace. Uh, there is a person who is an authority above me that provides my monetary financial compensation uh, by which I'm able to provide housing and food for my family. So the closest relationship I have like this that I am being called to submit in is in the workplace. And I am told that even when I'm treated unjustly, 
I am still to subject myself to my master with all respect, to my manager, to my boss, to my uh, leader of my team. It's a gracious thing because when I endure suffering unjustly, I look like Jesus. And we as Americans are so, this is so antithetical to, we're so entitled. Oh yeah. We sue people when they do us wrong. (laughs) Peter says, do good when someone does you wrong. And if, when you suffer, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God, the God who judges justly in all of eternity sees your suffering and knows, has suffered far more on your behalf. That is what we're called to do. Yeah, I could Hmm. run. We need to keep chugging though. Likewise, chapter three, we're skipping again, Burke, so follow us here. Chapter three, verse one. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be hidden, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. I think we can be tempted as men to look at this and say, well, this is written to wives. Let's move on. Or let's leverage it for our own benefit. Or yeah, or let's utilize (laughs) this to pretend to be the Holy Spirit in the life of uh, our spouses. Um, But again, 2 Timothy 3 all scriptures God breathed, useful for teaching and rebuking, for knowing him better. So we look to it. Uh, but again, we need a little bit of context here. So Peter's writing to wives, not to all women. He's writing to wives. And catch this, this line here. So that even if some don't obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So Peter mm. really has in mind here the wife uh, of a man who is not a believer. So he's writing... Uh, on the front of his mind, there's a a wife who believes, who's come to faith in Christ, but her husband has not. And here's why this is important, is in this culture, ancient culture, the man was the head of the household and the wife believed what the husband believed. Mm. And so you've got a societal abnormality here. Something's gonna go awry and he's instructing, he's writing to wives, which again, ancient writers did not write to wives. Yeah, first of all, he's, he's written to slaves. Now he's writing to women, uh-huh. he's writing to wives. Wives, yeah. Uh, you, you talk about elevating marginalized people, like, wait a second, he's, yeah. he's writing to the wives? Like, what, what's going on here, you know? Yeah, and he doesn't say, if you become a Christian and your husband's not, get out of Dodge and find yourself a new man. And oh, by the way, why is he writing to wives? Because he's a follower of Jesus. Who elevated women more than anybody else? Jesus. Yeah. So Peter, the model of Jesus is writing to women because women matter to him mm. because he was a follower of Jesus. You talk about being set apart and being radical, like this dude's writing to slaves and women. Yeah. It, it, you know, like in that period of time, it, radical. Yeah. And, and what he says is, if you're a believer and your husband is not, don't bail, don't run, don't revolt. Look down there, buried, buried in the very bottom of verse five, if you do good. Again, he is, he is thinking with others in mind, let your conduct, the conduct of your, of your goodness, of your doing good, may it win them to Christ. That's what he is suggesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanna be careful here 
Um, men can use this type of text to um, coerce and manipulate the women in their lives. And I would just be very quick to point you back up again to chapter 2, verse 23, that Jesus entrusted himself to God who judges justly. If you're someone who manipulates and uses this text for coercion, mm-hmm. you better, you better reacquaint yourself with a healthy fear of the Lord. Zoinks. God opposes the proud. And yeah. if you're using this proudly and not in humility, that's no good. Let me just, let me just grab this moment real quick. This is a, Peter's writing to wives and this is man challenge. So we have a lot we can learn from this. Uh, Mason, you've already shared some of it. From my sake, uh, I would just like to encourage men to, 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 to lean into this passage. Uh, as, as Peter says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Like, where do we put... How do we see women as beautiful? This, and, is, this and is married men, single men. Women. Yeah. How do we see women? Because at Man Challenge, as men that claim Christ, like nobody should love, respect, and protect women more than us. Mm. And the way we see them is oftentimes going to be the way we respond to them, by the way we protect them, by the way we talk to them. As husbands, our wives should be certain of their beauty to us. They should be certain of it. Why? We should tell them. Hmm. We should show them. So we should tell them with our words. We should show them with our affection. And we should reinforce that as we are around others by the way we, number one, talk about them. But number two, by the way we don't talk about other women. You want to honor and protect and show your wife that her beauty is from within and that you are going to love her the way that that Christ loves the church. Man, you start really thinking about the way you talk, think, and look at women. Because Peter is very clear uh, to tell them how God values them and where he puts his worth in them. And if we are to be followers of his, like this is a calling for us. And if you can hear the passion in my voice, it's because uh, as, a, as a father of a daughter who I try hard to encourage her about the beauty of her heart. Yeah, she, I think she's gorgeous. She's my daughter. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I tell her as much as I can. Same with my wife. But like, I try as best I can to encourage her that her heart is beautiful. And when that overflows in the lives of others, that is pleasing to God. That makes her beautiful mm-hmm. to God. And like, men, don't miss this. And if you're currently engaged in looking at women as objects, don't do that. That's not good for you. And it's certainly not honoring to God. Um, and Peter makes that very clear to us here. And just practically, that means if you're watching pornography, you're using a woman as an object to, to pleasure. How are you actively doing that? When you're lingering with eyes in the office, I mean, there's just so many simple, pragmatic reasons that we have to repent. And so I'd encourage as we go to discussion today, spend some time repenting of that stuff and ask men to hold you accountable to seeing, to shifting a perspective in how we see women. Let me clarify just one more thing because this can cause some confusion too, that it's like, oh, so women aren't allowed to braid their hair or wear makeup or Mm. 
get cleaned up or anything. Like, is that what he's saying here? Again, keeping in mind, reading in context, dude's constantly running to the Old Testament. So in Proverbs 31, there's an image of an excellent wife that we're given, and it ends almost at the very end. Proverbs 31:30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Remember, all the glory of the grass, man, mm-hmm. flowers mm-hmm. fall, the grass withers. It's the word of the God, word of the Lord that stands forever. So it's that same line of thought that he's using. Stop focusing on things that are temporal, mm-hmm. and have a healthy fear of the Lord. Again, just want to clarify, mm-hmm. yeah. we're not saying you're not allowed to wear makeup, ladies, and you know, yeah. but I'm just saying yeah. uh, to keep in mind the context. Where's the beauty yeah. come from? Yeah. yeah. Ultimate. Yeah. Mm. And I see if we have time. We don't. Verse seven. <laughs> Likewise, husbands Here we go. live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. We get one verse uh, mm-hmm. for husbands. If you are not married, but you uh, are a single man who intends to be, don't let this verse seem like a future version of you. You should learn. We should receive in God's institution of marriage, what it means to be a husband. And I want to quickly say uh, two things, then I want to let you guys talk. He says, the woman is the weaker vessel. Peter is talking about general physical strength. Yeah. What you said earlier about being a protector. Mm-hmm. This is not um, demeaning. It is not uh, elevating. worth. Yeah, it is not yeah. elevating you onto another level. Um, here's why you can see the proof of that. It says, since they are heirs with you. Other Mm. translations say Mm -hmm. Mm co-heirs. So what you're talking about in a woman is an heir of the God of the universe. Equality. Quite literally a princess Mm -hmm. of the king of the world. (laughs) That's that's who you're interacting with. So what do you guys see in this verse as we consider our co-heirs, our sisters, our brides, that we ought to encourage men with... uh, whether married or not. I don't have anything to add from what Burke already said. Like that's spot on. And I mean, in a time when easily Peter could have, based on the cultural situation, not gone there, he not only goes there, but then he explicitly says, like, we're equal. Mm. We're co-heirs. Even though in the culture she had to believe whatever her husband believed, he's saying, we are equals. Mm -hmm. Slaves and masters. Like, we're all equal. Mm. The, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Mm. That is radically countercultural in his day and age. But golly, that's a timeless truth that just needs to soak in our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as husbands, as men, as servants, workers, citizens of Kentucky, citizens of the United States, we are, by Peter's Um, not recommendation, but commandment inspired by the Holy Spirit to look to the suffering servant that was Christ and his death and atonement, his resurrection and redemption of us as an example and to follow in his footsteps to humbly follow him, submitting and subjecting ourselves when we can for the sake of others being servants to the glory of God. Sam, will you pray for us? Mm. Sure. Father God, we thank you for the example of your son, Jesus. Um, 
who stepped out of eternity, put on flesh, and bore the weight of our sin on the cross. Um, as, as we are given opportunities, trials, uh, and sufferings that come our way that are potential springboards for the gospel, God, may we eagerly endure those, trusting in a just God uh, who, who, who has called us to nothing more than what he's already done for us. That knowing that we are called into the same thing that Christ has already done for us and now gives us the same spirit who empowered him to empower us to endure uh, and to make him known in this world. I pray, God, that we would honor your image uh, by our submission, uh, that we would show respect to the ordering you have placed in our lives. Uh, God, that we would eagerly pick up our cross and follow Christ. We ask all of this uh, for our good, but ultimately, Lord, for your glory in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 So fellas, as, as you go to discuss this amongst your tables, I would encourage a couple things. One is there, there probably ought to be something that we should repent of, myself included, when we talk amongst our guys is, um, where am I not subjecting myself, being willing to suffer and serve for the sake of Christ? What realm of my life am I not seeing that? Uh, and the, the overarching tone of this area is not um, someone's right, someone's wrong. It's humility. It's mm. open-handedness at the mm. foot of the cross, trusting the, the God who, just, uh, who uh, judges justly. So uh, love you, men. Enjoy. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media. 